Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. I'm thankful for you guys for showing up and uh, enjoying today. As far as worship goes, man, that was awesome worship, wasn't it? Come on now. That's good stuff, man. Give God some praise. Um, Hey, I know there's a lot of people listening online, so just want to say hello to those people as well. And I'm excited for you to be here this morning if you're new with us. Hey, we're in this, this, this series that we're sort of finishing for the month of February, and you've probably seen it already. It's called The Vow. And what we're really trying to do is just connect you to God in a way that allows your marriage or maybe your future marriage to grow and to see this thing we like to call changed lives that can change lives. And so today we're actually finishing out this little series. Uh, And so the goal of this series was trying to give people uh, that that are not married uh, but hope to be married in the future with some tools in which some valuable knowledge, right, and and hopefully the the the, the, the the spurring of the heart from God, uh, from the Holy Spirit, to, to, to just try to find that little piece of, of information that changes their life, that maybe it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, a, a scripture passage that can change everything. Maybe more importantly, it's, it's being obedient to who Jesus is in your life. And, and maybe it's the start of a solid foundation in your walk. And it could change literally the trajectory of where you're going with your future marriage. Uh, and, and that would be strong and God-honoring. Uh, and, and this is so hard. I mean, it really is. It, it, it's very challenging, especially in the culture we live in. But then at the same time, this is why it's so hard. At the same time, what we've done over the last three weeks is we're trying to invest into those marriages right now that maybe are not in really good shape or, or maybe they're in really good shape. And how do you do that for all three different categories? That's why we just call it the vow, because it's more than words. You know, those vows, those words, right? Essentially, we'd be focused on these, these vows that you say in front of people, right, on that big day, um, and, and how they're just literally more than words Then you get up in front of people and you say, I do, right? It's more than just an I do. It's, it's a journey. It's a continuation of every single day you wake up with a continuation of saying the same vow over and over and over again until death, what? You do part. That's right. It's challenging, isn't it? And those who are married know it's challenging because sometimes you look at your spouse and go, I don't love you today. I just don't. I'm not going to do it, right? Yeah, is that just me? Okay, I'm just honest right now. Uh, you know, it, it, some days you just get so frustrated and you're just like, nope, not going to happen today. Can't do it. Not going to do it. You have no idea what I'm going through right now. They, they've put me through this torture, right? And then the, the vice versa, you look, at, look around and you see all these married couples that are struggling. You're like, I'm not going to get married. There's no way I'm saying those words. I, well, I, live, I, I live a happy lifestyle. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. But that's not... You know, if we look at what scripture says, the beauty of what marriage looks like, there's just so much more. And so what we've been praying over everyone that ever has a chance to say a vow, that God would do a work, that God would do a work to strengthen our relationships with him first, and then into a relationship that would honor God and impact generations to come. That's as simple as I know how to say it. And we've been doing this for, for the last three weeks, and we've look, been looking at some different vows. In week one, we talked about the vow of priority. And where we, we said a vow of, I promise God will be my what? My number one. And my spouse will be my what? Come on, say it with me. 
my number two. That's right. My God will be number one. My spouse will be my number two. In week two, we invited Sandy and Tom Blaylock to invest into our marriages, and they came up here and invested. We saw about 30 couples engage in marriage on the ministry last weekend, and we saw that happen. It was this wonderful, impacted weekend, and then they, they taught here last Sunday, and they engaged with the second vow of partnership, and partnership is so huge because it's the vow of where we promise that it's more about you know we and not about what? Me. And where we struggle and we have our hardships and we have those, those things. But when we put God at the top and we put we in it, man, it, it changes the dynamics. It changes everything when we do those things. And today, as we finish strong with the vow of purity. Now, earlier you heard a little video clip coming from a couple. And, 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 and the reason why we showed that is because we believe that in the Bible, Bottom line, we believe in the Bible. We're a church. We're a Bible-believing church. And, and, and we know that there's, there's Bibles back there for you guys to take. And we, 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 we give those Bibles away freely. But we also know that some people struggle with reading. And in that, that little clip, you saw a version app. And so we encourage people to download this app because not only does it have thousands of scriptures, it has different plans and it has different things that maybe you're dealing with or struggling with and you might not want to come clean today. But maybe inside this app, you can start to find some answers. And that's easily fine. If you start searching on your thing today and looking around, I'm totally cool with that. Because that version app helps save one person's marriage. And you might have known those people. You know, those are some pretty famous people. But they were at least, they came out and, and they literally told the truth. And they said, listen, if it wasn't for this, God's holy word, our marriage would have been literally destroyed. And they found their marriage back with a strong foundation through God's word. And that's what it's about. And so today, we're going to finish strong with this vow right here, the vow of purity, and we're, we're going to make this vow together. And as I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Why don't we just say that together? Because that's going to be a challenging one for us to do. Why don't we just say it together? I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Just one more time. I want to just say it, say it out loud. Come on, big, big and proud. Come on, say it. I promise to confide in you and not. That's a challenging vow, isn't it? Because a lot of people like to hide from things. A lot of people like to literally pull the cover over and just act like it did never happen. And I think if we confide in, in God first, we honor God first. And then we start to literally confide in our partners and people around us. I promise what will happen is you'll begin to step into the light and you'll start to see things totally different. You'll remove yourself from some dark areas that literally Satan's attacking and holding you hostage from experiencing life and it will change your life. It will change your life. But before we jump into that today, what I really want to do is is just take for a second and, and tell you where we're going next week. Next week, we're going to start a little small series called Man in the Mirror before Easter. Can you believe Easter's almost here, by the way? It seems like we just turned the page in January, but it's almost here. And, and, and you know, there's this song, um, maybe you remember it from this guy named Michael Jackson. I'm starting with the man in the, and I'm asking him to what? Change his ways. Uh, if, you, if you want to hear the rest of the song, I'll be singing it next week, so just come on. I'll break out my Michael Jackson gear, right? And so seriously, we're going to look at, into the mirror and hopefully we'll walk away seeing what God sees and not what we see. What God sees and not what we see. And when we look at us in the mirror, um, we each have some kind of opinion when we look at us because of the culture that we live in and because of who is staring back at us, right? 
And some of us like what we see. Some of us stand way too much in front of a mirror. But some of us don't, right? That's why we go to the gym. That's why we try to fit into skinny jeans. That's why we do little things that just doesn't make any sense some days. And some just don't know what to think. But what we do know is this, is what does God see in that mirror? And I hope you'll be back next week as we start this new series. And I hope you'll bring a friend because it's really going to be an amazing series because I can't wait to sing the rest of that song for you next week. It's going to be awesome. So anyways, but now today, let's, let's go ahead and get all this into this together. You know, I promise to confide in you and not what? Hide from you. Very good. So you said it. So here we go. Uh, to get us going this morning. Let me just ask a couple quick, quick questions. I know some of you already got your guard up. You're like, I don't know about this. Ah, this is itchy. I don't know. We'll find out. So uh, it's a crowd participation, so everybody's got to raise their hands, right? Um, if, if, you're, if you're not married, if you're not married, okay, if you're not married, but you hope to be married one day, so it's singles, go ahead and raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Okay, got some hands going up. Look around. Just look around. Keep, keep your hands up. Look around. Just Keep looking around. We're trying to hook you up. Hook and look around. Okay. You never know. Church is a good place to, you know, just saying. Church is a good place. Um, not to hook up, but to just start to mingle. Just start to mingle. I could get in trouble with those words. But just look around. Take, take notice. Okay. Um, now then, just, just, just look, uh, as we look at this next question, this could get a little bit more tricky. Um, what about our married folk? So look, just on the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand if you're married, raise your hand married. Okay, so look around, see, okay, these are off limits. And so, um, and I got that, okay, so let's, let's ask this question. If, if, if you've been married to one month, to, to, you know, 200 months, it doesn't matter, but 200 months, like, how many people are like, months, how many, 200 months? Well, I did the math, it's 17 years. And so, um, I'm still in baby talk. So it's okay. Um, but what about 400 months? Anybody got a clue? 400 months? 2017. Yeah, 2017. Very good. So it's, it's 33 years, right? It's 33 years. It's about as old as Jesus was, you know, when he died. So look at this. Anybody 33 years? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody 33 years marriage in here? Got, got one cup? One? Two? All right. So that's, just, that's amazing. 33 years in this day and culture. That needs to be a, that needs to be just a clap. So... Um, you know, I'm sure they've gone through some battles, and they've gone through some, they got some scars, but they, they stuck with it, and so that's just amazing. So here, here's a new question, all right? And this, this goes out for everybody who just participated. So everybody who, who wants to be married one day, or who is married right now, okay? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, who wants to one day break the seventh commandment? Everybody's like, what's the seventh commandment? I don't know. I don't know what number one is, right? Who wants to break that seventh commandment? Go ahead, raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody know? How many of you plan on committing adultery one day? Go ahead, raise your hands. You plan on it. You absolutely plan on it. Anyone? What about getting hooked up on porn? Anybody? Any takers? Raise your hand. Nobody. Some, some guys are really stuffing their hands in real tight right now. But here's the truth. The statistics are true. Like we learned in our touchy subjects last year, there are guys and girls that are hooked. Studies claim that 70% of men between the ages of 18 and 35 and one out of every six women of the same age view it daily. They're hooked. Anyone? No? Okay. Um, and this, this is like weird, isn't it? But it's, it's just, let's just just dip, dive into this a little bit deeper. Let's, let's take it down just one notch and just ask, how about an emotional affair? Any, any takers on an emotional affair? 
You're not actually going to act on it, but you're going to give your heart to somebody online It's like, or at work. And you're just like clicking on that ex-boyfriend and just, I wonder what he's doing today. And you just say, hello, or poke. Anybody? No takers? We got giggling going on because we know it's true, but we don't have any takers raising their hands. Yep, I, I'm going to do it. It's interesting, isn't it? See, I didn't see anyone raise their hand because nobody, and I mean nobody, plans to significantly destroy their marriage with sin. But what I do know is people do it every single day. Everybody, everybody, and I mean everybody, has the potential to destroy their marriage or their future marriage. See, nobody plans on getting hooked on porn or no one make, is making plans on, on bumping into that other person. And nobody plans to hurt their relationship with sin, but it happens every single day. And for those of you that are not married, sometimes on the front side of marriage, it feels like it's, hey, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a part of life. I'll deal with it later on, or then, then we'll be a little more serious. You know, I'll just mess around. And once I meet the two, we'll get things together. I hope you understand it's, it matters now. It matters now. If you're not married or if you are married, recognize that it's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. If you don't have a foundation of purity that's birthed out around Jesus' love, then you're just birthing something out of a foundation of sin. You see, marriages, marriages have enough challenges that we face daily that we don't need something else attacking us from the past. But it's incredibly challenging to build a marriage of righteousness on a foundation of sin. And the way we live today impacts all areas of our lives, especially our marriage relationship. And I told you this is going to be a touchy subject today. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and crack it open. The vow of purity comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and verse 25. And like we talked about earlier, there's a version app, and I would encourage you, encourage you to download that app and start to use it daily. There's some amazing plans in there that can, that can take you a little bit further, and, and, and I promise you it can impact your world. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, this text says this, that is why a man leaves his father and a mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. And it says in verse 25, Adam and his wife were both what? Naked. Say it with me, church. Come on. Both. We, we can say that word. It's in the Bible, okay? They were both naked, and they felt what? Come on, say it with me. Not ashamed. Very good. Now, the blind man said it even louder than anybody because he knows it by his heart. That's amazing to me. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt what? You see, the word shame comes from the root Hebrew word, bush. And it, and it means to be ashamed. Or it means to feel completely worthless. And they were naked, and they didn't have any sense of shame. Unlike how most teens or some adults do. Oh, it's funny. We're talking about naked. Oh, my goodness. Pastors just said naked, you know, and it, it's, it, that's kind of an appropriate word to say. Right? And, and some of the strict ones, like, that's just wrong. I can't believe you said that. 
And in their mind, that's what's going on, right? In our culture, that's just because, you know, that they, they had, they, they literally, in this day and time, they had none of that. They saw nothing wrong with the other person. But what happens, this is my bad joke for the day, but what happens is Victoria enters into the world, right? Because she has no secret, right? And so, I don't know, but, but when sinners enter into the world, right? But when sinners enters the world, so does what? Shame. We feel unworthy. We feel unlovable. We feel dirty. We feel embarrassed. We feel like we need to, to hide whenever what? Shame enters the world. They felt nothing because they viewed what God viewed, an innocent creature that he created out of love. It's almost like um, I have four children, and, and um, it's like our little kids when we have guests over. Now, the oldest two have figured this out. You don't come out of the bathroom without a towel wrapped around. But the other two, the youngest ones, they don't care who's there, man. It is full-on a nude party when they're coming out of the bathroom. It is streak heaven. I mean, they're running down the hallway just, woohoo, you know? And it is all in God's creature, right? And they have no shame. And I tell the people, you know, they get that from their mother. That's all I say. I don't understand it. I can say that. She's not here today. So, you know, it's one of those things. And we just look around like, I can't believe it. It's okay. They just, it's innocent, right? And there was no shame. What happened and how did we get here today, though, where there's shame and there's guilt? You see, you got to know the story of Adam and Eve. And they were naked and they felt no shame and a serpent. He came along and he tempted them to sin. Eve gave in to, and, and, and Adam didn't do anything to stop her. And there was a huge issue with that one. That's another sermon. The next thing you know, sin entered the world. And suddenly, what did they feel? What did they feel? Yeah, they felt shame. They felt shame. They felt self Conscious for the very first time. In fact, here's how the story goes. And then, then the eyes of both of them were opened, right? I mean, Adam had done seen one man before, but now he's seeing, whoa, you know, he's doing this thing. Where did that come from? You see, his eyes were opened and realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves. Why? I do not know. But they made coverings for themselves. They made fig coverings. Did you catch that? They made fig coverings for themselves. And I don't know how that worked out for them back then, but in my eyes, where I'm looking everywhere else, but when I go to the mall, it looks like we're getting back to that for some odd reason. I do not know. We have some weird outfits nowadays that are less and less and less. But it, it's, it's weird. The styles, how they continues to come back around. Anyways, the Lord called the man, right? He calls him. God says, where are you, Adam. And Adam answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And God is like, whoa, how'd you know that? It's like God's teasing him. He's like, he already knows. He, he already knows. He already knows. It's like the parent. He already knows that you're in trouble, but, you know, he's, he's going to ask you the question, see if you're going to lie anyway. That's the worst torture in the world. Just tell the truth. Anyways, here it is, God and Adam, right, going back and forth. But what gave it away? What was it? What did Adam do first? Adam what? He hid. I mean, how do you hide from God? Come on, tell me. How do you hide from God? He can see everything. 
Adam goes and hides, and he can hear God walking through the garden. And Adam, Adam's like, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. It's like the ultimate, you know, hide-and-seek guy. He, you never want to hide-and-seek with God. It doesn't work out. He wins every time. He gets what he wants, and he wants you. He's looking. He was looking for Adam. And this is this what's happening today? If I tell my kids, you know, to stay out of the Reese cups, right? I love these Reese cup eggs. These things come out on Easter time. I don't know what's in them, but man, they are delicious. Um, but I come home and I find a bag half eight and chocolate covered faces. And you ask the child, who did it? And they all point to each other. And you know who did it because it's on their face, right? And the guilty party literally starts to squish the, the, the empty wrappers in, in the couch while I'm talking. They, I'm telling you, they get this from their mom, you know? And it's just funny to watch. But when you say no computers or games until the house is cleaned up and you walk in and you hear people running around like crazy trying to hide things and trying to push the dishes back. And you're like, why hasn't this guy done? Uh, well, we know the dishes were really dirty, Dad. You wash the dishes for 45 minutes and you still haven't got the... Well, it was really dirty, Dad. I mean, come on. Or when you ask the, you know, the 14-month-old, he hasn't really figured this out yet, but you know, did he just poop in your diaper? And he's like, you know, he's shaking his head, no. Like, yes, you did, I can smell it. And he's just sitting there grinning with his two front teeth. You know you're guilty, right? What I've learned about adults is this. You do the same thing. You might not poop in your pants, but you do the same thing because it stinks. You see, are you in a place where you need help right now? Are you being tempted by something right now? No, I'm not. No, I'm, not. I'm good. That's what I hear all the time. I'm good. No, I'm good. Is there anything that you need? No, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm, pr- I'm pretty content. I'm good with where I'm at with Jesus. Are you sure you don't want to talk about it? Nope, I'm fine. I really am. I'm good. Dude, you're bleeding right now. It, it's really real. It, it, it's gushing. And you're like, no, nah, it's just a small cut. Duct tape. Anybody? I mean, I've, I've had conversations even this week where I see people going down the wrong road and, and they won't respond. And I'm just pouring life into them and asking, hey, can I help? Can I help? Is there anything I can pray for? And they just say, no, I'm good. Or they don't respond. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Something is off. I see it. It stinks. It's not real. As adults, we end up hurting things we love because of shame. And it takes us farther than we ever thought we'd go. And then it collapses on us and we found us in this pit of stink. Why? How did we get there? You see, we end up hiding because we feel such a profound sense of shame in our lives. Here's what I believe happens is is we enter into this arena of shame, right? And when we do something wrong, I feel what? Shame. And what does shame do? Shame is the one of Satan's many tools of connecting the act to identity. And this is what Satan does. He connects the act to you, your identity, 
You did something bad. And this is who you are now. Satan says, therefore, you are bad. Internally in our marriage, we often think, I can't let you know what I did because then I am bad. I can't let you know where I struggle with porn because you won't love me anymore. I can't let you know what I'm going through right now because we wouldn't have the trust that we need to have anymore. Instead of being, being, bringing intimacy of truth, we live in uh, secrecy so often in marriage. And secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. What was our vow today, by the way? I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Because secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. You see, the Apostle Paul got it right. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he really speaks to darkness and light in our lives. And Paul says it this way, For you were once where? In darkness. But now you are in the light of what? In the Lord. You know, he gets it because if you remember quickly, he was what? Blinded, completely scaled. He was in darkness and then they fell off and he found what? The light of the Lord. He finally figured out what it looked like and he's like, whoa, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. No matter what they say my ID was, once it was, was Saul, yeah, I know I used to do that, but no longer, man, I am in the light. I'm changing lives for Jesus from here on out. Yeah, you're going to use my story, right? You're going to advance the gospel through my story. Yes, that's right. He changed lives. He changed lives that changed lives. You see, if you are a Christ follower, you are in the light. Think of it this way. You know what light looks like, but when you go into a movie theater in the, in the middle of the day, it's pretty dark. It's really dark in some theaters. And then you go out and it's over. What happens immediately? You're like, ah, good Lord, what, what is that object? You know, and you're just trying to find your glasses and you're squinting. You're bumping into objects you can't even see, right? It's hard to see for a little bit until your eyes, what, get adjusted. And I feel like there's some people in this room that are Christians here today who have stepped back into the darkness and you just don't realize it because your eyes have adjusted to the darkness and you're okay living in it. You're living in a place that you don't even realize that you've drifted from the light and where God wants you to be. Sometimes in, it's in, within your marriage. When things aren't working, you, you don't even realize why your eyes have simply adjusted to the darkness. It's just because it's been, it's been okay. It's been okay that it's okay. And now it's okay that it's okay that it's okay. And the next thing you know, it's not okay. And you're like, what happened? Well, where, where did I go wrong? And you, and you start asking questions and you, and you come way too late sometimes. You could have put a Band-Aid on something a long time ago, but now you happen to have huge surgery that could have been prevented. See, Paul says this. The one who lived in a dark place for years, he said this, for you were once in darkness, but now 
your light in the Lord. But now your light, your children of the light. Now watch what he says next. It says, live as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And that's what we want for your marriage. That's what we want for every area of your life. Find out what pleases the Lord. And then Paul says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather expose them. Don't hide from them anymore. Expose them. Have nothing to do with them. Why? Because you will never find healing in the dark. You see, shame grows in the dark. You see, I've I've seen shame take down great men, friends of mine, and it kills me to know that they're hurting so bad. And it's because of shame. And he's begging us to just expose it. In fact, Paul says that God's standard is incredibly high when it comes to purity in our lives. That's why guys need to be talking to guys about this and girls need to be holding girls accountable to this. He says this in Ephesians 5.3. In 5.3, just go up a little bit. In 5.3, it says this, but among you there must not even be what? A hint. There must, must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are the improper for God's holy people. Anything that's pulling you back into the darkness is is not acceptable. There should not even be a hint, nothing that resembles it, nothing at all, nor any kind of impurity. What is impurity? What is it? Essentially, it's poison. what what, What do you do when you're around poison, right? Think about it. What do you do? You get infected or maybe you die. You know, I think of it this way. When I think of poison, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. I hate this stuff. This stuff is nasty. This is called the trifecta of Jason Kilby. I mean, this is poison ivy, poison his little brother, poison oak, and his little sister, uh, uh, poison sumac. I I can't stand it. I mean, I I walk into the woods, and if it's near that, it drifts near me. It gets on me, and I start itching. The next day, everybody knows where I've been. It just, it just happens. If you burn it within a mile of me, I breathe it in. Next thing you know, my lungs are inflamed and I'm going to the doctor. It is crazy. Hey, my dad one day, I'll tell you a quick story. I'll, I'll blame something on my father. He, he says, oh, it's, it's dead. Cut it up. It's in the middle of winter. It'll be okay. Cut it up. Just cut it up. I cut that up. The next day, I kid you not, guess what I had all over my body? I had to go see the doctor. I had to go get a shot. I mean, it's just crazy. This stuff grows in the wintertime. I didn't think it could, but he, yeah, that's what I was told, right? Wrong. This stuff grows everywhere. If you get near this stuff, it will, it will, be, it will be on me. You can't, get, you can't get away from it. It's poison. When it gets on you, you know you've been in it. You see, when I go into the woods now, I just carry bleach with me. I just, you know, I just pour, I, it just get it off, Right? I don't care. I'll get naked. I don't care. I have no shame. I have no shame. I don't want the stuff. I know what it does to me. If I don't get it off, I have no shame anymore with poison ivy. Get it off. You see, poison, you just stay away from, don't you? Especially if you start to identify the leaf. When you start to see it, you just, uh uh-uh. I don't care if there's a cliff. I'm walking around it. I'm getting around it. I'll go around the cliff, right? We'll find another way. I don't care if there's a bear chasing me. I'm going to go around it. You see, poison you stay away from. You stay away from anything that is impure or displeasing to God because it corrupts, it poisons, and it harms those who are around it. It consumes it. 
that's one of the big problems why our eyes adjust to the darkness because we don't realize that we're walking in the darkness. Because we think that light, because we think that the light of sin is, is the wrong place. When we talk about purity, we're, we're thinking, well, in my marriage? Well, I, I'm not supposed to commit adultery, right? That's, that's, that's it. You see, it says anything outside of marriage, anything that can cause you to poison your future relationship for those who think about getting married one day, anything that can cause you to walk in darkness in your relationship, that one click on that site can lead you further than you ever thought later on in life. Or maybe I'll just say hello and, and literally reach out and connect with that old relationship online. Maybe it's hanging out at the gym for all the wrong reasons. Or maybe watching those late night shows that just draw you in. Getting downloads on your phone that's so easily erased. Or even sometimes what you see coming in from the mail. Literally, what comes in the mail. Magazines, infomercials. Just trying to draw you in, trying to get you to accept the bait. You see, Solomon said it this way. And he was very clear about this. Solomon said it this way, the sin line in Proverbs 5, verse 8. He says, in Proverbs 5, verse 8, he says, keep a path far from her. The adulterous woman, keep a path far from her. Don't even go near that door of her house. In other words, if there is sin in this area, get away from it. I'm not going to sin. I vow to stay away. Get away. If you know you're, 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 it's your weak link, get it out of your house. If you know you struggle with being on your cell phone and like get covet eyes. If you know that you have issues with this, talk to a brother. Don't hide no more. Don't live in the darkness anymore. You see, Jesus taught on this as well. And Jesus was very, very to the point. He was kind of extreme, if you remember. He said, that if, if your right eye causes you to sin, then what? Right, gouge it out. We got some church people on the front row. Get rid of it, right? In Matthew, in Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28, it says, you have heard it this way, said, you shall not commit adultery. In verse 28, it says, but I tell you that if anyone who looks, whoever just looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, this is some tricky language here, but I'm gonna be straightforward with you. You can look, right, and say, man, you're beautiful. But if your mind wonders, it's gone too far. There's the catch. Now, I remember in college, I tried to justify this way too many times. As a, as a, you know, a college student, I did. I justified that verse. But I'm telling you, it's pretty cut. It's pretty trimmed. It's pretty right there. If your mind wonders, your heart will too. And then the next thing you know, you're not keeping pure thoughts of your wife or your future spouse ever in your heart or in your mind because your mind is already drifted. I'm telling you, Jesus is on to something. Now, he was very serious, and I know this is a metaphor, right? But he was being real, really, really, really real about this subject and how dangerous it was. If there's something that gets in the way of your righteousness between him and you, rid yourself from it. Stay away from it. Don't flirt with it. Don't even get close to it. It's poisonous. It'll kill you. It's impurity. It will take you down. It will destroy you. You may say, Jason, this is, this is almost impossible. Everywhere I look around, it's, 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 it's there. 
I would say, well, yeah, that's the culture we live in. But I'd also say this, you can also ask for God to just remove it from your eyes. You can ask for a filter. God, just keep my eyes focused on you. And you might even say, well, the harder question is how, how do I live this out in a way to, to live a pure lifestyle? And, and not just before marriage, but now in my marriage, in a very impure world that we live. How do we do that? How do I do that? It truly seems impossible. You know what's interesting? In the Old Testament, in the book of, of Psalms, Psalms 119.9, this same question was asked. And David, David actually answers it. And in Psalms 119.9, and he says it this way. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? And it says it this way. If you're taking notes, this is the one you want to take notes. If you want to write something down on your, on your and if you want to tweet something, this is, this is, this is it. This is the, the one-liner for today. I'm telling you, take this to home. Take this home, put it on the refrigerator, wherever you do with it. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to what? Your word. Verse 10, I seek you with all of my heart. So what are you seeking? Do not let you, what? Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against See, God's plan, God's plan is, is living in his word. It's seeking his word and not straying and, and hiding his word in our heart that it transforms our life. When those, when those dangerous moments, those poison slips in, you, you, the, that word just, it burst out like my bleach. I just poured all over me and you literally you push through. But secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. And there's nothing more intimate than a, than a personal relationship with Jesus. And when, you, when your eyes filter on that filth, you're breaking that intimacy of love with him because you're hiding. You're hiding in a dark spot. And Jesus wants us nothing more than just to come out and confide in him there are many people that are listening today that are not seeking is what I have found out and are hiding. They're hiding in a dark spot right now because you have strayed far from God. And you're okay with that. But Jesus is not okay with that. The good news is, is we serve a God of grace and if you're stepping into any form of darkness right now, what I want to do is, is, is encourage you to, to, to do what's right and is to bring what is in the dark and bring it into the light. In Proverbs 28, Proverbs 28, 13, it says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Today, if, if we confess it, today, if we confess it, we get to receive God's grace that will bring you back as children of the light because you're no longer live in darkness. It's, it's, it's a grace that is full of love that changes the atmosphere and it changes who you are. It changes the trajectory that you're going on. And so how can you stay pure again? 
It's diving into his word. The reason why we showed that video at the very beginning is because I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you. If, you. if you don't really read your Bible, if you don't really connect with God's word, I want you to download that app right now during this song. And I want you to commit to something. Diving into his word every single day this week for the next seven days, I want you to dive into the word of God. Set a reminder up where it goes off. Literally, it won't let you go to bed. It will sit there and go, bing, 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 until you answer the phone. It will not stop talking to you because you talk to your phone a lot for a lot of other things. But why not allow the word to talk to you and use that thing for a, a divine purpose that could change the darkness that's in your life? It could be the one moment that saves your marriage because you was about to look at something. It could be the one moment that changes everything in your atmosphere because God wanted to breathe life into you because the way you're treating your spouse or your kids. And it could be that one moment that literally changes lives all around you because you stepped into the light. I want you to stay close to the word and allow it to transform who you are into the person God is trying to mold you. And remember, we are supposed to confide in who? You. And not hide from you. We're supposed to confide in what God's trying to do through us. So come out. Basically what he's asking for us to do. Come out and experience new life. Experience the light of the world that can change everything. And here's how I know this is true. Because a lot of you are just sitting there looking with his dazed eyes like, yeah, that's me. That's, that's my life. That's, that's our marriage. I, I, sh- I should be in the Word more. I, I, matter of fact, I haven't picked it up since January 1. I, I couldn't even tell you the first thing about the Bible. I couldn't tell you much about how it's impacted my life because I, I've, I've looked more at this stuff and it's, it's impacting me. It's, it's causing me to drift sideways. I, matter of fact, I hit something head on the other day and it, and it totally wrecked my life. My wife doesn't even know or my spouse doesn't even know yet. And I'm, I'm ashamed to tell him. I'm scared. It, Jesus is clearly telling us, stop it. That's Satan whispering secrecy and, and it's causing you a disconnect from intimacy. Stop it. Step into the light. Feel the warmth of glow. There's nothing better than when that sun popped out on, you know, the other day and you just, you just, whoa. You heard what? You heard birds chirping. You heard it. I mean, I I feel like I actually watched the grass grow. I mean, it was amazing. It felt good, didn't it? But there's nothing worse when it's just pouring down the rain and it's just, you know, it's light and it's just crashing and it's just kind of scary. Thunder rolled in last night and woke up some of my kids and they were kind of scared for a moment, right? They didn't know what to do. A lot of us are living in this moment of darkness. But when we step into the light and we get near the Father, when I came in, when I came in and and just hugged my kids, I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I kissed them goodnight. They were in the Father's hands. Do you need to be in the Father's hands today? Where are you at in your relationship? Do you have enough intimate relationship where you can just come on out and be held tightly by him? Do you, is it just too much pride that's keeping you disconnected? What, What is it? What is it that's causing you to just pull away and just stay in the dark spot? Because the only thing he knows, he knows where you're at. He knows the dark spot. He just wants you to step out. Say enough's enough. 
Now here's the other portion of this. This is where it gets kind of personal to me. I grew up in church culture, okay? Especially around here. When a person, when you have this type of sermon and that person comes down, the first thing we think of is what? Oh, what are they doing? None of that stuff's happening here today. I want you to feel confident that we are confided in God. And it's between you and God. No judgment, no nothing. I don't care what's going on. I don't know what's going on. If my mind is wondering, that means I'm not pure. That means Satan's got a threshold and it's not happening in my house. And so I'm begging you, if we see people come, just rally around them. Matter of fact, some of you, some of you men, I'm telling you, if you're not praying over this, then you're actually setting yourself up for failure. And women, I'm encouraging you. Sometimes it takes a, a godly woman to lead the way, to drag your husband, right? Kidding me, drag him to the altar one time, drag him again. Some of you did, just saying. Whatever it takes, I'm telling you, to step out in the light and just experience the intimacy that God designed this for. To do life together is better as one. Living life full of love, trust, and with God at the center. We'll confide in you and not hide from you, God. We'll confide in you and not hide from you any longer. I will confide in my brothers and sisters who get it, who step into the light and said, no shame here, no more. Today, that's my prayer. I'm gonna pray a prayer and we're just gonna let the Holy Spirit do what he does. Move people. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I give you praise and glory for what's about to happen in the hearts of people. We ask favor over them now. We, we just pray confidence in them that they just confide in you and they trust you. No longer they will live in shame and, and that darkness spot or that poison that just itches them and just scratches and they just, they can't, they just feel that itch. God, just remove it all with your grace, with your love and your light. And may they walk out of here a changed person. May their families be protected. May we always seek you first and then look for our number two. May we be about we and not me. And may we confide in you and not hide from you with our vows, with our covenant we have made with you, Father. That's my prayer. In your name, amen.